Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. Here are all the people, right? You remember that, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's a good one, but completely wrong, okay? Can, Can we just remind ourselves that the church is not a place, it is a people. And so, so, so really to correct that, we should say, here is the church, here is the people. Sometimes they meet in a building with a steeple, and you don't even have to have that, okay? <laughs> All right. So, um, so, so that, I hope you get that. That's, where, that's what we've been talking about as we've seen that the early church has been formed. We see that the church is, isn't a place it isn't a four walls, it isn't a building with a steeple, it isn't an institution or a tradition, um, it is a people, a called out people, followers of Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, I want us to uh, just stand as we read God's word this morning. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go there, it will also be on the screen. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start actually where we left off last week, and um, we, we left off in Acts chapter 2, verse, our last verse was 41. We're going to start in 42, okay? Sound good? So we're going to read God's Word together. We're going to be talking this morning about marks of a healthy church. We're going to talk about how we can be that as a church. So uh, verse 42, I got to get there myself. Here we go. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. Let's uh, let's pray together as we get started. You can keep on standing as we pray. God, thank you for your word. God, would you teach us through it? Would you remind us of your intent for your church? God, that we might be a people that have been fully devoted to you, God, that are obedient to you. God, we pray that as a result of us practicing what you teach us in your word, God, that you'd add to your number daily those who are being saved. God, help us to continue to stay on mission as a church, as Valley Church. And we love you. We're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you may have a seat. Thank you for standing with me for for that. And uh, this morning, as I said, we are going to talk about what I call, what I see in in this text is four marks for a healthy church. Four marks of a healthy church. And uh, we do have uh, notes in your bulletin if you want to fill those out. Um, We saw last week, just by way of review, 
that the Spirit of God had descended in power upon these 120 followers of Jesus who were gathered in, in, in a room and empowered them to be able to witness to the resurrection of Christ using different languages, different tongues. And uh, there were people from all over the known world at that time who had gathered in Jerusalem for... for um, for, for this festival that they had, and uh, they, they witnessed of the resurrection of Christ to them. Now, this was a crowd that had previously, just days before, crucified Jesus, okay? The, this was about 50 days before that they had, had cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And now they're seeing that Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and they're being told by people in all different languages that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And in this crowd... Peter, he stands up because people are also at the same time thinking, these people are crazy, they're drunk, what's going on? Um, he actually stands up and says, no, these people are not drunk. We're witnessing about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Put your faith in him. And someone calls out from the crowd. Do you remember this? What did he call out? He said, brothers, what should we do? You remember that? And Peter's response was, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of where we, we ended things off last week, but it, but it says something amazing in verse 41, which we kind of touched on, that uh, the church grew dramatically. It says in verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. An incredible revival had happened. Something that I don't know if you've ever seen before. I've never seen, but I know that these things still even happen today. And you can look up the history on this. But this would be every pastor's dream, I'd say, right? Every pastor's dream and every, every church's dream, but also every pastor's nightmare and, and a practical nightmare as well. 3,000 people. The church grew from 120 people to 3,000 people overnight. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And we see that, that uh, in a few chapters later, there were, some, there were some logistical problems with what had just happened. But at the end of this chapter, we see that, that, uh, that God grew them as a healthy church. There were four marks of what they did that we can actually learn from ourselves. I would not say that this te text is just descriptive. Uh, just showing us what they did and no re relevance to us. I would also say that this text that we're going to read is also not just purely prescriptive, that we have to do every single thing the exact way that they did it. No, I think that there's some principles that we can learn to be a healthy church from what we just read in Scripture just now. Okay, so are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right. Okay, so number one, what, is, what are some of these timeless truths for us to be a healthy church? Number one, if you're taking notes... It is that we gather around God's word. A healthy church gathers around God's word. That's number one. Read with me uh, verse 42 again, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching, okay? I will say um, there are a lot of what I would call social clubs these days. No matter what your interest is, are, I bet you there is a club 
for you, okay? There, there are places that you can gather with a common interest and, and purpose. What's going on? What, Nora? Okay. <laughs> As I said, <laughs> there are gatherings of people that gather all around some common interest and purpose. And one of those might be dirt biking, right? Who's into dirt biking here? Yeah. <laughs> all right. We need, to, we need to form a biker's gang, I think, at Valley Church. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Be a Christian gang. All right. But I will tell you, there are a lot of, a lot of other things that, that uh, people gather around. I brought with me some, some uh, items that uh, people may also gather themselves around. People may gather themselves around their love for cars, right? Okay? That may be something that people, people love, to, love to do, just work on cars, look at cars, go to car shows. I mean, who's, who's a car guy? Who, who are car guys in here or, or gals? Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we got more gals than we do, than we do guys, okay? Um, maybe, maybe, you're into, um, maybe you're into golfing. Maybe that's your thing, right? Um, you know, you, you like to go out with your buddies and go golfing, right? Are you ready? Okay, shield your eyes. <laughs> we, didn't get, we didn't get that waiver right, Okay. Maybe you're into maybe you're into logging or, or cutting down trees and doing doing work in the forest, right? Maybe that's you, okay? You're like that macho guy that, that loves to cut down trees and burn wood, right? Who burns wood? Yeah, okay, okay. There is a group for you, all right? Group for you. Um, maybe you're into football, right? Who's ready? Who's ready? Way in the back. All right, Doug, ready? Here we go. Oh. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's basketball. Are you ready, Renee? All right, that was a little bit better. All right. Okay, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's fishing that you're into. Who's into, who's into fishing? All right, there's a group for you. I love fishing, all right? Good deal. I won't throw that at anybody. All right. Um, this used to be a big thing. And what about scrapbooking? Yeah, who likes scrapbooking? Not anymore. Yeah, I mean, oh, look at that. How precious. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Precious did all this. Yep, there's baby Zoe. That was our uh, only baby scrapbook. (laughs) We did one, and we were done. (laughs) So maybe maybe it's scrapbooking for you. Uh, Maybe it's uh, rollerblading, you know? You may be into that. Uh, Maybe it's knitting. Who's into knitting? Right? Yeah? Cool. Crocheting, maybe? I don't know what they call it. Okay, um, maybe it's, it could be baseball. Who, who likes baseball? Yeah, all right, into Pittsburgh, Pirates. Um, what about this, construction? Anybody into construction? Yeah, okay, yeah, good deal, all right. Cool, yeah, I mean, these may be your things, okay? Um, it, it may be that you gather, you gather around these things, but, but I will tell you, whatever your interests, whatever, no matter how unique they are, there is a group for you, okay? Um, some, some of the groups I looked up, some obscure groups. Let me, let me read them off for you. There is the Mustache Club. 
Okay, I know someone in town that, that like is into a mustache. Who knows that Benson guy, right? He's got the like big huge Fu Manchu, right? It's like down to here. Uh, that's pretty cool, right? And he goes to mustache things. I don't know. It's like, we're, we're going to have to have him watch this, okay? Well, it's cool, okay? Um, maybe it's uh, like the Hammock Club. It's a random thing, but man, people, there's a Facebook group for it. You know, there's, uh, there's the Cheese Club, the Potato Club, the, the National Association Against Pet Obesity Club. <laughs> this is a real thing, guys. There is even, believe it or not, the Wallpaper History Society. Okay, those of you that are history buffs, that may be your thing. There's also... The Snail Farmers of America Club. <laughs> like, come on. Okay. Anyway, all that I'm saying is this. There is a group for you, no matter how unique your interests are. But church, church is not just a social club where we gather around scrapbooking or baseball or football or hockey or trucks or cars or things like that. Those things may bring us together, but it's just not what keeps us together. The church is a gathering around the Word of God. It's a gathering around the Word of God. That is, that is our foundation. That's what we stand upon. That is, that is how we are formed. And so we are gathered around God's Word. That is who we are. We are God's people. We go to God's Word. And uh, as the early church formed, what, what you will see is that they devoted themselves to exactly this. And it's why on Sunday mornings, we open up God's Word together. We read it. We learn from it. We apply it. And uh, I can imagine that the, the, the form that this took on at the beginning of the early church was that uh, the apostles, um, having not written the New Testament at this point, had not written their letters to all these different churches that they actually had a different book. It was called the Old Testament, the, the Torah. They had the writings of Moses. They had the writings of the prophets. They had, they had different, different you know, religious writings that they, they read as, as Jews. And the apostles, what they did is they, they heard from Jesus. And so they took these two things. They heard Jesus' teaching. Jesus often would interpret the Old Testament for them. And it, he, would, he would actually show them who he was and how he fulfilled these Old Testament prophecies. And so these apostles, they, they took these words of, of, of Jesus and they, they brought them to the people. And so I can imagine these apostles every day having spent time with Jesus. They would say, hey, here's what Jesus said about this. Let's go over to, to uh, this prophet, Pro Prophet Amos. And he said this about what was going to happen. Here's what Jesus did to fulfill it. He prophesied his death, his suffering, his resurrection. And guess what? There's Jesus. And he's the fulfillment of all these things. So they devoted themselves to the teaching of Scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And just like they did... When the church gathers, that's what we do. We gather around the Word of God. Now, praise God, we have the words of the apostles, don't we? We have the teaching of the apostles written down, people that had been with Jesus, and these words are inspired by God. And that's why we read them. That's why we study them. We, we learn from God's Word. And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, we do this in large gatherings, but we're also um, doing this in a greater way in some smaller gatherings. 
When we talk about our 242 groups, we're talking about this. We're coming back to Acts 242, and we're saying this is one thing that we're going to do in these groups. We're going to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. We're going to, we're going to read the Word of God. We're not just going to do a, a book study about someone else, what they regurgitated. We're not going to, we're not going to get what they God from God? No, we're going we're gonna to go to the Word of God ourselves. We're going to study. We're going to learn from it. We're going to ask God, God, would you speak to us through it and help us to apply it? And that, that's what 242 is partially about. It's gathering around the Word of God, the apostles' teaching. And that is what I believe a healthy church does, that we come together not based upon our interests, or our hobbies, or our language, or our nationality. No, we're, we come together based on the Word of God and the witness of Jesus Christ in His resurrection. So a healthy church gathers around God's Word. That's number one. But number two, a healthy church does life together. A healthy church does life together. And I, I, will, I will say this, Christianity is not just a Bible study. It is a lifestyle Christianity is not just a Bible study, it's a lifestyle. It says in 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then to fellowship, to fellowship. And what, what in the world does fellowship mean, though? Because it seems like we use this word a lot, especially in church. And I, I will be the first to say that this is, is a word that is probably the most overused and misunderstood word in, in the, the church today. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, we actually managed to use this word to describe any kind of activity of the church. Um, some churches, they have quilters fellowship. Some churches have bikers fellowship. Some churches have a breakfast fellowship or a men's fellowship or a women's fellowship. And you, you, could, you could go on and on and you could list all these different, you know, activities of the church and just put fellowship on it. And then all of a sudden this, this activity is now spiritual because it's fellowship, okay? Um, does anybody remember Fellowship Hall, the Fellowship Hall, right? Some of us still call it the Fellowship Hall. Um, we, we since have renamed that to be the community center. Um, but I learned early on, because I grew up with a fellowship hall, I learned early on that the fellowship hall is a place where you get bad coffee and stale cookies. Okay, who's got that experience as well? <laughs> That's what a fellowship hall is, okay? That's why we had to rename it. We can't, can't keep up that, that misunderstanding, all right? But man, this word actually has come to mean just hanging out and shooting the breeze. That's pretty much what we think about this word. Just We're just a place to hang out and shoot the breeze. But there's so much more to it. Um, what does this word really mean? In verse 42, the Greek word that is used is the word koinonia. The word koinonia. And it means fellowship, communion, contribution, partnership, and the word sharing. And so all these words just help you understand the direction of this, this word is going, okay? As you can see, it, it is much more than just shooting the breeze. Um, this is more than just a social gathering of Christians. This is a spiritual gathering. Um, you, you actually really see it's fleshed out in verses 44 through 46. If you're in your Bibles, just, just go ahead and read through that, through that portion, and, and you'll see 
um, in that text, how this is fleshed out. It says that all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Um, They were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds of all that they had, um, uh, proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. You know, fellowship was the difference between someone saying, I go to church and I am in the church. Um, fellowship is, is not just a, a spectator event, like, like it can be coming to worship services and just sitting and, and taking in a pastor's message or, or being in worship together. No, f- fellowship is, is a communal life. It's, it says day by day they were together. They, they had all things in common. Um, some people, they, they will say, well, what, what is going on here? Is this like an early form of, of socialism that, that was happening in the church? Is God all about like socialism? Um, and uh, and I, I will say, first of all, this, um, I don't know that, that what we see here is actually something that we need to practice just like the early church did. See, if you remember, there were people from all around the world that had come into Jerusalem. 3,000 people had just gotten saved, and they were like, they weren't going to leave. And so they were sharing their homes, they were sharing their food, they were fellowshipping together. And I would say that, that this, what was happening here, was probably meant to be temporary. You see, actually, later in Scripture, that uh, <laughs> Paul's actually always asking for them to give offerings to the church in Jerusalem. Why? Because nobody had anything, okay? And so I think these, these efforts were noble, but should we just, just be completely open-handed with every single thing that we have, with no kind of discernment? I don't think so. We should be giving to those that have needs, genuine needs. But also, there's some things in Scripture that say, you know, here's, here's when you meet a need, here's when you don't meet a need. And so, like, when you don't meet a need, it says, say, if there's a widow and they have a family, that family is to meet that need first, it says in Scripture. Okay, so there's, there's some qualifications that you learn as you study the Bible that is just not this open, open-handedness, come and just take it, take everything that I have, I own nothing, like... Uh, it's not like that, okay? Not, not like you would read right here. But it was a joyful celebration. I will say it's a, it, it was a mindset of open-handedness. I would say that. That God is the owner. That, that, that we're stewards. And, uh, and that, that, that generally speaking, that, that you have this mindset that, that uh, all that I have, I have from God. And I want to just be freely sharing it with those around me. Um, and so, so as, as we look at these, these uh, examples, we see that there's some other aspects of fellowship that we learn. The fellowship was not just a spectator event. It, it was a common shared life. Um, some of verses 42 through 46 is actually just a summary of what fellowship looked like. It said that they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was fellowship. It was interactive. They, they were fellowship with, with one another. They broke bread together. They, they prayed. That was fellowship. The sharing of their resources was fellowship. The giving of those who had a need was fellowship. Attending the temple together was fellowship. All those things were describing what that fellowship looked like. It was, it was multifaceted. It, it engaged every single area of their life. And that's what church should be. It should be a daily fellowship with followers of Jesus. 
A good definition of fellowship is this. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. It says um, that fellowship is gathering with the goal to stimulate each other to spiritual growth. Fellowship means sacrificing your time and your talent and your treasure for the good of others. Um, fellowship is, is something that can actually make us very uncomfortable. And if you're not uncomfortable as a Christian, fellowshipping, you probably aren't doing it right. Because here's the deal. There is actually a root word to this word koinonia. And the root word of, of koinonia is the word koinos, which actually means common, profane, or impure. And that, that does not give us the same kind of ideas around what we've just been talking about. We've, we've been talking about how, how, you know, koinonia is, you know, like a shared life, you know, a common purpose. And, and, and koinos means common, profane, or impure. And so how, how do we take that? I, I will say this. It's easy to fellowship with people that we like and that we know and that we, we, we trust, but I, I believe what God has called us as a church to do is uh, to look beyond those people that we know and we like and we trust, but also to those people that may rub us the wrong way, that may be, may be rough around the edges, um, maybe people that we don't know if we can truly trust and, and love people that we don't truly get along with. You know, in, in church, there are people that are going to rub each other the wrong way. There's going to be relational conflict. There's going to be things that we do to each other that we shouldn't do, uh, ways that we're still growing and learning in our, in our walk with Jesus. And it doesn't excuse those things, but it just, just names them as a reality that we're long-suffering with each other. That's what fellowship is, is all about. Um, I will say that there are a lot of, a lot of you who have um, gone through a lot of what, what people call today church hurt where there, there's been someone that, that you've been in community with that has hurt you deeply and it's caused you to either leave a church or, or question following Jesus altogether. And, um, and, and, and I will say that that is a real thing that you've experienced and my heart hurts for you. It should not be like that. But what God has called us to do is still stay faithful in spite of those things. It may, it may mean for health reasons or, or just, just to be safe around people that you make a separation from, from those specific people because of trust reasons, but it doesn't mean that you make a separation from church, that you totally leave church because everybody's a hypocrite and somehow you're not, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. See, the reality is, is we're long-suffering. Koinos means that we're loving people that are sometimes unlovable, people that, that are still in process. Um, there was a, a pastor, his name was Rick Harrington. He wrote a book that was entitled this, How to Find a Church, Seven Steps to Become Part of a Spiritual Family. And so basically, if, if uh, you were looking for a church, this was a good, good resource for you to, to go and find a church. And, and he said the first, first point was, was preparation. The second step uh, was to, to visit that church, and it goes on and on. The seventh step, though, that he listed was this, and it's important. He said, he said that the last step is persevering through pain. Persevering through pain. And he, he writes this. He said, you will get hurt. I actually think that this is part of God's plan for his church, though that does not excuse the one who caused the pain. 
He wants us to learn to forgive and to show grace. And this is where it takes true grit, a staunch stomach, and a test of faith. You need to stick it out. And when you have done this final step, you have found your spiritual family. That's a beautiful thing. Church, you don't, you don't come here and it's not, it's not always great. Sometimes the tension is thick between us. So, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're, we've wronged each other, but that, that does not mean that we separate. It means that we choose to love each other as Christ loved us, that while we were still sinners, it's a choice. Christ died for us. He, he showed his grace to us and that, that he did that. And so, so why fellowship? Why stick it out through pain? It's because Christ did it for us. Just think about what he, he went through. Was he hurt? Was he mocked? Was he betrayed? Was he wronged? Was he rejected? Yes. And we've also been called to follow Jesus' example. And so his love for those who didn't deserve it is our example when these things happen here in our fellowship. Let's stay in fellowship. Not let those pains go. Let's work through them and love each other deeply as Christ has loved us. So that's, that's the step number two for a healthy church is that we gather around God's word and we do life together. Okay, we're on step number three though. Are you ready? Number three is this, that a healthy church shares meals and takes communion together. Food, if you didn't know, is a big deal in the church. Um, it says in, in 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and then third, to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. And then if you skip down to verse 46, it says that they, um, they were in the temple together and they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they were eating together. And part of their eating together was to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, now what, I, what, what we mean by this as, as Scripture is telling us that they ate a meal and they celebrated the Lord's Supper was not that they did it like we did, okay? They did not have those fancy uh, Jesus Lunchables that I like to call them, okay? You know these things, right? Yeah, okay, now you know a new word for them. Hope that doesn't mess you up a little bit. But they, they took communion together, okay? But they didn't do it like that. They actually had like unleavened bread and they had wine that they shared together and they, 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 they did, they, they remembered what Jesus had done, how he had gathered his disciples together and said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. And they took it together and then it didn't stop there. They, they had a meal together. They ate together and they fellowshiped. See, see, the thing about food is this, that it is social. It's a social thing. We all have to eat. So why not eat together? Why not eat together? So, you know, for some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do is just to invite someone else from the church out to lunch with you, to just go out and just enjoy a time getting to know them on a personal level. See, by doing this, by eating together, they, they were remembering their common faith. They were remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. And they were sharing the things that they had, their time and their food. And they focused this all around Jesus Christ. 
And so, so as, as we go on to anticipate um, for ourselves as a church the launch of our 242 groups, can I just say the, these things that we've already just mentioned? Um, the apostles' teaching is one thing. Um, fellowship is the second thing that these groups are about. But the third thing that this group, these groups are about is sharing a meal together. Not only the Lord's Supper, which, which I want our 242 groups to do from time to time, is to share the Lord's Supper together in a smaller environment, but also that, that we're gathering every single time we meet around a meal, around some food. And we've built that into the structure of what we're doing with 242, and we're excited about it. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, um, if food gets you to cross that line, um, you know, what are, if that's your ulterior motive, that you want to just get together with people to have food, um, please sign up, okay? Or if you like making food, please sign up, all right? Um, but, but it's a gathering. We're going to gather around food, around God's Word. We're going to gather to fellowship, okay? But here's the third thing. A healthy church not only gathers around God's word, does life together, shares meals, and takes communion, but number four, it prays together. It prays together, okay? It says, says that they, um, in verse 42, the last thing that it mentions is to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they pray together. Have you ever heard uh, a marriage that prays together, stays together? Yeah. And I, I believe that it's also the same for a church, that a church that prays together stays together. And that's why, um, actually, church, we, we have a, a little challenge for us this week. Um, our Valley Kids Director and our Valley Youth um, uh, Directors have uh, brought all the names of the children that are a part of our Valley Kids Ministry and our Valley Youth Ministry, and they are just listed on a piece of paper out as you, as you walk out the doors as you're leaving church. Okay, I don't know if you saw them on your way in, but, but I'm bringing this up because we want to, as a church, be praying for our Valley kids. And we want to be praying for our Valley youth. And so all that we're asking you is just take one name and commit to praying for that child every single day. Just keep that name somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Maybe put it on your bathroom mirror but it's just, just we believe in, in the power of prayer, that prayer is the greater work, as the, as the church gave us the example of right there. And so we want to pray for these children. We want to pray for our youth by name, okay? So, so my challenge is this, just grab a name on your way out. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it, and just commit. Commit to praying for them. I think we have about 70 names out there, so it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. Commit to praying, okay? If you, if you, by the end of this time, see that maybe there's two names left out, please take two, okay? But uh, we want everyone to have a name because every, every name represents a soul that Jesus loves and it's gonna be impacted for eternity by what happens here and in their family. So pray for their families, pray for them by name. In Acts, though, what we see is this. They committed to praying together. They committed to it. And I will tell you, one of the other highlights for us as a church is on Sunday mornings, before most of you get here, what we do is we circle up. There's about, usually about 20 of us that, that get in a circle, and it's usually those of us that get here early to serve. And, uh, and, and we circle up, and we pray. 
We pray over Valley Kids. We pray over Valley Youth. We pray over the guest services team, over the, the worship team, over the message that's going to be preached. Um, we pray for you. We pray for, for first-time visitors. We pray. Um, what we've been praying every week is we're praying for one more. One more, not just a visitor. We're praying for some, one more to follow Jesus. That's what we're praying for. And it's a highlight of, of what, what my Sunday morning is. And uh, I, I don't want to guilt anyone to do it because I want you to be there. I just want to extend this to you. You are invited to come. It happens at 9.30. It's about five minutes. You are invited to come early. Doesn't, you don't have to be serving on a team that day. Just be here because we're committing ourselves to prayer. It's a way that, that, that we just submit ourselves to God. We're saying, God, you can do and work above and beyond all that we ask or all that we think, and God is doing it. God's doing a work, okay? So you're invited. I will say this also, along with this, along with this scripture, as you can see, these 242 groups, they're built around not only the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, but also, lastly, is prayer. We're gathering to pray together. And part of, part of what it's built, is built into our 242 groups is that we're praying for each other, and, and we're actually using the, the Acts model at, at the end of, of our, our, our time. Uh, as we read God's word, we're applying it to ourselves. And then we're saying, God, we adore you. We confess our sins. Um, we thank you for what, what you have. And then here, here's some of the needs that we have within our group, within our community, within our church. Okay, We're using the Acts, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And uh, that's something we're, we're going to be consistent about. Um, but uh, it's, it's going to be a blessing to be praying consistently together with a small group of people in those 242 groups. So what does a healthy church do? We want to be a healthy church. Just to review, we gather around God's word, we do life together, we share meals and take communion, and we pray together. What is the result? You see it there in your bulletin. The result is this. We grow. We grow. It's not our job to grow the church. It's God's job. He's going to grow us. He's going to grow us. It says in verse 43 that uh, awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And the result is not really what we'd expect. It says, says that awe came upon every soul. You know what some of your translations say? It might say fear. Fear came upon every soul. Um, it was the Greek word phobos, which means fear or terror or reverence. Some people were just plain afraid. They were afraid because they saw people speaking in tongues. They saw people getting healed. They saw the church growing dramatically, and it caused them to fear, to fear God. And it, so for some people, it just, just plain freaked them out. They were like, this is crazy. Like, this is nuts. Awe came upon every soul. But the second result was this. It was favor. 47, keep reading. It says, praising God and having favor with all people. You know that the church as it grew, had a good reputation in its community, not just internally, but in the community that they were in, in Jerusalem. People were amazed. They were favorable toward them, and they had a good name. And in Valley Church, I, I just want to say I'm grateful for the example that you set because we want to be a church that is favorable in our community and favorable toward our community. 
So ways that you can see that we can serve our community and just, uh, just show our community that we are for them, meeting practical needs. We want to do that and be that as a church. And that's what they were, okay? But the best result is this. Fear, favor, last one was this, faith. We see faith coming. It says in verse 47b that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Each day, more and more people were coming to faith. They were coming to be part of the church family. They were crossing the line of faith. And that was the result of a healthy, spirit-filled church. They were gathering around God's word. They were devoting themselves to life together. They were doing it together. They were sharing meals and taking communion. And they were praying, God, do the greater work. Now, as a church, I just want to bring us back to to our mission and our vision. You know, our, our mission and our vision as a church is this. Our mission is to multiply disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the valley and the world. And if we, if we I, I believe, do what these, this early church did and are filled with the Spirit that God can, God can do this in our valley, and already we are seeing this happen, and just to also remind you of our vision statement, it's just three words. It's the word seek, the word serve, and the word send. We're seeking the lost. And these are all things that Jesus modeled for us and did to us, but also things that we want to pass on then to our community. We want to seek the lost with the gospel of Christ. We want to serve as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And then we want to send Said, said there, there in, at the beginning of the book of Acts, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We want to send people out into this world, whether it be your, you in your workplaces, you in your families, um, you, in, you in, in your homes, to your children, which is your primary ministry, but also if it means that you, you go into then full-time ministry, a professional ministry of being a missionary or a pastor, or, or maybe you're just going to lead a 242 group or, or serve in some, some kind of way in the church. Whatever it is, we want to send you, we want to equip you to do that, just as the early church did. So seek, serve, and send. And here's the blessing. We get to do it with each other. We get to do it together. This is not just a one-person thing. We're a team. We're a family. We're a body. And it takes all of us. So seek, serve, and send. Follow Jesus with us. Not just by attending church, but, remember, being the church, right? We are the church. And so let's be it together. And let's go be the church for our community. Can I just invite you to stand up with me? Um, We're going to end this time in a word of prayer. And, um, and just close out our service in that way. And worship team, you guys are invited to come on up as well at this time. Father, thank you that with all this that we've read in your word, God, you've called your church to be a people devoted to you, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship, devoted to prayer, devoted to sharing meals together, God. I pray, God, for our our body, God, that we would commit ourselves to just attending regularly, God, to giving generously, to, to serving selflessly and enjoying fellowship, God. 
God, would you grow us as your people, as your followers, to be your church? God, I, I just also want to, I, I, I know that there are people here as we prayed. God, would you just give us one more? God, I know there's someone here right now at this moment that feels far from you, feels separated from you, feels unworthy of your grace. God, I pray that they would know that, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life, that all who call upon your name will be saved. God, that you came and loved them while they were still a sinner, while they were still doing the junk that they were doing, God, but they've come to hear your truth about them. God, you want them to be part of your church. You want them, as Peter said, to repent, to turn, and be baptized. God, I pray if there's one more, God, that this person might just raise their hand right now and just say, Jesus, I want to come to you. I want to come to you. Anyone here? Anyone here want to come to Jesus today? I want to just lead you. Lead you right now in this moment. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. Yes. People crossing the line of faith right now. Awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Praise God. So for those of you that are here raising, raising your hand right now, would you just, just, just pray the word of Scripture to, to the Lord and confess your sins, receive Him as Savior. And I want you to do this. I want you also at this moment commit to be baptized then, okay? So I'm here with you, okay? You can look at me. That's okay. Yeah, praise God. Let me just lead you in a word of prayer. God, pray these words with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I need you. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to save me while I was a sinner, while I was far from you. God, I want you to make me your child. I repent of my sin. I turn from it and I turn to you. Jesus, I believe that you are the way and the truth and the life. And I'm coming to you now, believing in your death and in your resurrection. I'm yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, church. Let's praise God for those born into his family today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.